lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. We are back live and on demand, though not, frankly, all that much in demand. Here on the Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. It's been a while. That's why I wore my name tag today, in case you had forgotten. His name is Todd Erzin, and yes, that's a haircut. And maybe even a shave. Wow. No, that happened a while ago. Okay, I just want you to know, you saved me about five emails today. Oh, yeah? Because there's two people that have been emailing me every day, demanding that, um, uh, that, that you shave and get a haircut. And of course, because of the dude code, how many of those emails did I pass on to you? I had no idea they existed. Exactly. Because the dude code is always in effect and I don't really care. Right. But now that you've done the deed, I just wanted to go ahead and thank you for that's five fewer emails I'll have to delete later today. So thank you. See, now the dude code demands I basically next year at this time look like Steve Carell in the Noah movie. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be no shave November in January, February, March, April, May, until finally the wife steps in and says, all right. That's enough. I did notice, maybe this is who you're hearing it from, there's a new uh, uh, handle on Twitter now called uh, Todd Erzin's Beard. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. There are lots of things people will complain about me about. That will not be one of them because I am incapable of growing one of those. I I simply can't get there. That's about the furthest I can go is where you're at right now. See, we're bearing the lead on this. This is all very nice, this obsession with my uh, grooming. But... (laughs) You, you introduced yourself and your name tag. How about executive producer Steve Dace? Well, Let's I talk mean, about that. What's a oh, shucks. <laughs> if you insist. Aaron McIntyre is here as well. Good to see you guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, it was low-key. Well, yes. Yep. It was different than yours. I yeah. did not have a low-key weekend. No, I... Uh, I and we'll get into this more with uh, our buddy Bob Vanderplas when he joins us at the bottom of the hour because he stopped in to check on the production and see it for himself as well. But, uh, no, um... We'll have a lot to say about the film. Uh, First of all, let me say this, though, before I forget later. Without the the leads for crew and the prayers of you folks in this audience, there's no way we are filming when I get down to Oklahoma City last weekend. No way. There's just no way. Okay? So, I mean, you guys just... Absolutely went like Hebrews 12, large crowd of witnesses, man. And we cannot thank you enough. And it is still a daily battle to film this thing every single day. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a battle. And, and trust me, based on what I saw, the quality of the footage that I saw, the quality of the acting I saw, yeah, I mean, I mean, the enemy is going to do everything. He, he's going to throw everything. Kitchen sinks have already been thrown. Guys, we're into the plumbing now, all right? Underground septic will be thrown at this film. Now, he he will not want this movie to come out. So please um, keep up uh, the prayers in particular. We have the crew that we need. That's how we've been filming the last few days. I'm still getting leads, though, so I'm I'm still passing them on to Believe Entertainment because you just never know if, if there's another volley and meltdown and we need second and third and fourth, you know, layers of infrastructure. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for all of the prayers. There's no way we were filming last week without all of you, without the audience of this show. It just was not going to happen. So uh, when I gave you 50-50 odds on Wednesday, that's that, that was high. I was betting on you, okay? 
I was that the 50-50 odds came from I was confident you folks the the that you folks with connections and some prayer warriors in our audience would come through because without you those odds weren't even that high when I left here uh Wednesday afternoon. So I I just from the bottom of my heart I cannot thank all of you enough. So thank you. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. We'll tell you more about the movie a little bit later. Uh, that's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you saw a return of hashtag Facebook approved takes today. Please remember, that's not what I think. It's my attempt, though, to share with you information that Facebook, which admitted in court over the weekend, doesn't actually do fact checking. Did you guys see this? It got cut out of the montage today. I'm Did sorry. It? Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, it's good that I'm mentioning it. Facebook admitted over the weekend it doesn't actually do fact checking in a court filing. That these are just rival their own. It's essentially their own rival political opinions. That that's that's you that's essentially say, they just no admitted way. this in court. No in way. A filing. Yes. Knock me over with a feather, Steve I, Dace. I, I know. I know. I know. I mean, we're just uh, blow me down with the Russian olive territory here. Yes. I know. I know. All right. So uh, again, whenever you see that, that's the regime approved narrative. And so my attempt to co-opt it to bring you information I think you should see that they would otherwise ban. If you want to get past all of that, please just go to MeWe Parlor, Gab and Getter. We're going to be hearing from them. Later today, correct? We are. Ask Me Anything, our final Ask Me Anything of the year. That is coming up next hour. I mentioned Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. I have to give you an urgent alert, though, before we go to Aaron's montage, because with everything going on, and essentially like the biggest moment of, 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 of our mission and career, the filming beginning for Nefarious, I got some news in my email inbox on Thursday and my immediate reaction was, no, you didn't, okay? I, I've just got two phrases for you. Built Bar, eggnog. All right. I got no heads up on this. And I was totally blindsided by it. I have no more room. Even in the second fridge in the garage, I have no more room for Built Bars. However, when Built Bar came out with eggnog, when something like that, when something that important occurs, by golly, you make the room, okay? You make the room to the point I'm bringing, I'm bringing extra boxes from my house now in, into the office today uh, to, give to, to give to Todd and Aaron because I've got a clear space out for the coming invasion of Built Bar and Eggnog, which I haven't even tried. I don't have to try. I know it will be great. God bless us, everyone. Indeed, I gotta be. I'm I'm skeptical once again, like I was with birthday cake. But then I'm also thinking, you magnificent sobs, you <laughs> you will go there. I'm thinking this is a pretty blatant, passive aggressive t- attempt to angle to me bringing you one for free. And I dig that about you. I, I completely respect it. And, and hey, that's well, not. And that that goofy grin is not a denial, by the way, yours. And that's not a denial. It's just science. You established the baseline. It is just science. Yes, it is just. Science, indeed. So if you want to try the new eggnog or all their other mint brownie is back today, that's fantastic, as are all of their flavors. The greatest protein bar of all time, of all time, all right? And it's not even close, all right? It, it's, it's better than several of the candy bars out there that you're going to try, all right? So if you want to try it loaded with protein and flavor and chocolate, not with calories, carbs, and sugar, Again, go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T. Get 15% off right now when you use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E for built.com. Get 15% off with the promo code DACE. And now, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by ghouls. A nasty tornado ripped through parts of Illinois and Kentucky this weekend. The powerful cyclone resulted in as many as 50 deaths, widespread damage, including flattening the town of Mayfield, Kentucky. President Biden, never missing an opportunity to politicize tragedy, had this to say. The fact is that uh, we all know everything is more intense when the climate is warming. Everything. And obviously it has some impact here. Blue checkmark Noel Scovell tweets, quote, Sorry, Kentucky, maybe if your two senators hadn't spent decades blocking legislation to reduce climate change, you wouldn't be suffering from climate disasters. If it's any consolation, McConnell and Rand have effed over all of us, too. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris says Marines would rather carry a solar panel instead of batteries into war zones because global warming. Just ask any Marine today. Would she rather carry 20 pounds of batteries or a rolled up solar panel? And I am positive she will tell you a solar panel. And so would he. (laughs) In other news, the lead editorial in the Sunday New York Times over the weekend was titled, COVID isn't going anywhere. It's time we start acting like it. This comes the weekend after New York Governor Kathy Hochul, by apparently divine fiat, re-implemented an indoor mask mandate for all people in her state. Make of that what you will. In Colorado, Democrat Governor Jared Polis went on Colorado Public Radio and declared that the COVID-19 emergency in his state is over and saying he will not be implementing another mask mandate in response to Omicron. Polis went on to say that if people get sick without taking the vaccine, it's, quote, their own darn fault. In Pennsylvania, that state's Supreme Court struck down Governor Tom Wolf's mask mandate for all schools after a few recent photos and videos of school children still being forced to eat outdoors despite dropping temperatures because of COVID, including this heartbreaking video in Portland, Oregon, where kindergartners can be seen eating outdoors in 40-degree temperatures. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked if this practice is appropriate. Schools are taking steps, especially since we've only recently approved uh, through the CDC and FDA vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds. They're not approved for kids younger than that to keep their kids safe and keep students safe. I will tell you, I have a three-year-old who goes to school, sits outside for snacks and lunch, wears a mask inside, and it's no big deal to him. Dr. Anthony Fauci had this to say on mandates. I gave you the chance of aiding me willingly, but you have elected the way of pain. Whoops, wrong clip. I would prefer, and we all would prefer, that people would be voluntarily getting vaccinated. But if they're not going to do that, sometimes you've got to do things that are unpopular but that clearly supersede individual choices. According to the CDC, 80% of Omicron cases detected so far in the U.S. are double-jabbed, and a third of them had received a booster shot. In completely unrelated news, a soccer update, Manchester United midfielder Victor Lindelof left the match against Norwich City early this weekend, clutching his chest. In Italy, Napoli midfielder Peter Zielinski was taken off the pitch after 19 minutes after clutching his chest as well. Perhaps the largest, most widespread weekend of protests yet took place in Western civilization over the weekend. Everywhere from Germany to literally every major city in Austria to France to Italy, all people braving the cold, protesting looming and rumored forced vaccination. And finally, a jury in Chicago found actor Jussie Smollett guilty on five charges late last week, including a felony making a false police report for faking a hate crime. Here's a retrospector from Twitter user Maze Moore. This is about coming to the aid 
of another brother that has tasted the brutality of hatred, racism, and bigotry. In this situation, hate won't win. Mm -hmm. It will not. You didn't deserve, nor anybody deserves, to have a noose put around your neck. He had bleach poured onto him. This needs to stop. He will forgive these people for what they did. And, but he won't. And we cannot forget their actions. And hopefully this just opens up, opens up people's eyes. It's just what needs to stop, man. God damn, why are we going backwards? There are a lot of evidence of uh, 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 violent incidents that happen at these MAGA rallies. This is, this is a, essentially terrorism, and you wonder, like, how deep it goes, these hateful groups that get together, or maybe, hopefully it's just two people, but that's what I'm afraid of, that it's going to well, go a I lot mean, deeper. Well, I mean, calling it terrorism because the media does not. It you is. Know, it is. Yeah. It's domestic terrorism. Absolutely. But I don't like that it's being put out there in the media that this is a right. possible yeah. hate crime. Right. I think that even sows a seed that makes people feel Unbout. like, well, is he making this up? Yeah. Well, what is this about? Right. I don't like that. Like, don't put that in people's minds. This man was hurt. He was injured and he needs justice. It's the, the horrific yeah. details, you know, behind the premeditation for this attack. Yeah. They didn't find a rope, they brought a rope. Yeah. I mean, uh, we thought, we pretty much thought racism had come a long way when uh, President Barack Obama was president. But and by then, the way, it had. Yeah, it, it had, but, but so then, but then the hatred, yeah. so, so if you really want to get into that, you, you want to build a wall for somebody, build a wall for some of the white nationalists and supremacists. We have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to Jesse Smollett is a hate crime. It's absurd. Isn't a debate. There have been people in the government now who have made it okay for people to announce these hateful feelings that they have towards other people. We really need to find well, these people. Well, one of the things you and I were discussing earlier is clearly anyone who lives with this kind of hate is not terribly bright. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Keeps. Um, you know what? With the new year almost here, don't ignore my advice like you did last year or this year. Take advantage of Keeps. Uh, there's a reason they have more five-star reviews than their competitors. Some of it has to do with uh, the price. They use the generic versions of the leading hair prevention products out there, so you save a ton of money compared to the other guys. Some of it also is the convenience. It's all done online. You snap a few pics of your hair, answer a few easy questions, and then a licensed physician will recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you. And then some of it is the fact that they give you even more savings to get you started. Half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow today. K-E-E-P-S is how it is spelled. For keeps.com slash grow, again, it is keeps.com slash grow. Coming up in the overtime today, we're going to answer a question for you. Why do we use the term frequently on this show, pagan? Or paganism and a hint the answer is actually in Aaron's montage today so we will answer that today for our blaze tv subscribers when you go to blaze tv.com slash dace you'll be able to watch that we'll record it right after today's live show and then upload it for you later today at blaze tv.com slash dace and that's also where you can go to become a subscriber to blaze tv at a discount right now at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's go to Aaron's montage. And I want to just spend a quick note on the uh, on the on the compilation 
of Jesse Smollett clips that Aaron shared there. One, I don't know who half of those people are, okay? Like, I don't, I don't know what an Adam Rippon is. I don't know who most of those people are. Do you guys know? <laughs> You're going to be shocked to learn that Adam Rippon is a figure skater. Okay. I thought either that or Hillsong Associate Pastor. Uh, and the the other, sorry guys, I'm here all week. Try the veal. Um, that was bad. That was bad, Steve. That was I bad. like this shit. Okay, that was it's bad. exciting. Okay, that was bad. Um, no, it wasn't. It was, that's why it was good. That's why it was good. See, these are the these are the impulses I'm constantly fighting all the time. Okay, uh, fourteen of you know why that's funny, and you're all laughing. The rest of you're like, what is he talking about? All right, anyway, um, the other thing. <laughs> The person who has the most impassioned plea on behalf of Jesse Smollett doesn't actually exist anymore just to show you how fake all of that is. Otherwise, that could have been embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. All right, just to show you how fake all of that is, the person with the most impassioned plea on behalf of Jesse who literally listened to the Nigerians. They emailed him and he's like, that's a great idea. Let's go with that. Dude answered emails from Nigerians, paid with a check, and then it was a smoking Subway sandwich that busted him. And yet our entire media industrial complex, when confronted with actor, Nigerians, and Subway, was like, just went right past that because it affirms the narrative, whether it's Covington Catholic, whether it's Russian collusion, whether it's Jesse Smollett, it affirms the narrative. And that's all that's going on here. And it's then that, that news is so fake that the person in that compilation with the most impassioned plea, Ellen Page, doesn't actually exist any longer. That's how fake all of that is. And okay? if you say she exists, correct. you've committed another hate crime. That, that's, that's exactly correct. Yes. Um, but I want to get to, I want to get to, let's, let's say the pivot. Is it just me or is it starting to feel like the most wonderful pivot of the year is underway? A little bit. It feels as if, and you know why? You're talking New York Times here? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not just that, okay? But the Colorado governor, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, okay? These are... <laughs> the New York Times, guys, is the oracle at Delphi of the mainstream left in America. Like, when the New York Times newsroom shows up for work in the morning, it's like Ric Flair coming out of the locker room at Starcade 86. They're firing up the just speaketh Zarahustra from 2001. All right. I mean, these, when they speak, the rest of the left media, hamana, 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 chants, mantras. They're like that one Hari Krishni dude in that Beatles Get Back documentary who just follows George Harrison around since he got back from India and just sits in the corner by himself watching. All right. That is seriously going on in that documentary. It's creepy as you know what, man. All right. But but for them, what that's that's literally like a fatwa was issued on the left. 
it appears as if, at the very least, some elements concerned about polling numbers, approval ratings, that there's an election in 11 months, and then there is the ultimate control group. Maybe if you've noticed over the last week or two, I have every time I have, have shared something or tweeted something about Omicron, I have included the phrase, Omicron is a control group. Because it's a great revealer. We laid out for you on Wednesday before we headed out to Oklahoma City why that is. Because either, either this is the variant that essentially marks the end of the pandemic. Did I say the end of the virus? Let's make sure we get all our terms here properly coordinated. Did I say the end of the virus? You shouldn't that, because it'll probably never end. Yeah, that's right. The end of the, the end of COVID. No. But the pandemic phase, or as the Colorado Democrat governor referred to it, quoting a very a really cool Disney show from earlier this year. If you've not yet watched it, you should. The emergency. Okay. Um, but um, the emergency phase, which is the pandemic, is over. Omicron is either a signal that that is the case, looking at the South Africa data, or if, because remember, Delta started out looking like this back in July, too, in June and July. And then what happened? What happened is it ran into the vaccine and it got stronger because it's not a vaccine. You'll notice in his montage, Aaron did not use the phrase fully vaxxed. We are banning that from our ecosystem on our show and social media accounts from this time forward. We will not accept that term any more than we accept your gender madness. We're not accepting it. There's no such thing as fully vaxxed. This will just go on and on and on. So we're just going to count jabs from this time forward. That's all we're going to do is just count jabs. First of all, the product itself is not a vaccine. It is not, it is not an immunization. It does not stop you from getting the virus nor block you from giving it to somebody else. 80% of our Omicron cases here in the U.S. double jabbed. What was it, a third of them triple jabbed? Was that the number? Mm-hmm. By the way, 14% of the cases of Omicron so far in the U.S., people with natural immunity that tested positive. You know what that means? It means that if you are double jabbed, you are more than five times more likely to either get or spread Omicron than someone with natural immunity. If you are triple jabbed, you're more than two times more likely. Omicron is truly a pandemic of the vaccinated. Truly. That's truly what it is. The re- there are, there's two reasons we've emphasized natural immunity on this show so much this year. One is because, as I told you a few months ago, I thought, I thought the assertion of natural immunity was our best scientific path of beating back vaccine mandates. Because all the reasons why they're ignoring natural immunity go against their own argument. I don't care which reason they're choosing. And not everybody, not everybody within COVID stand has the same exact reasons for why they are choosing to ignore natural immunity. But whatever those reasons may be, they don't believe in it. They are trying to uh, ignore it to get you, you know, with sort of a, an earnest deception to get, to get uh, jabbed. Or they realize there's no money in it, so it's just completely a sinister lie. Whatever, the, whatever one of these three or other multi- motivations they are, they all undermine their case. But see, there's a second reason now that I'll share with you. What is the purpose of a vaccination program? Ultimately, a vaccination program is designed to get us to what? Herd immunity. Herd immunity. Endless fear. Oh, no. sorry. No. Yes. Herd immunity. 
in the past, we have not vaccinated everybody when we've tried to get to herd immunity. Why? Because some people had what? Well, had any number of had prior conditions. Yes, uh, natural immunity. Yeah. And so the goal was to vaccinate those without natural immunity in order to accomplish what? That the vaccines in and of themselves cannot and would not get us to herd immunity. But in accordance with natural immunity, they would get us to herd immunity faster. That is the point and purpose of a vaccination program. That is not the point and purpose of this vaccination program. The fact that you keep having to get jabbed over and over again is an indicator that they have given up on herd immunity. And they have done so for one of two reasons. They effed up from the beginning by ignoring natural immunity, and now they're screwed and in a corner and don't know how to get out. And that's, the, that's by the way, the benign, innocent explanation here in this binary choice, what I just said, that this is a massive eff up of cosmic proportions. That's the benign, innocent explanation here, that some of the smartest minds in the world just forgot about natural immunity or how it worked. That's the one that maybe lets you sleep at night when you contemplate it. How's that? Is that, is that giving you a warm fuzzy? No, since yes. I've been talking about stuff like this since like two years ago. So It only makes me madder. The, so then what's the other reason? That they never intended to get to herd immunity. They never intended to. And they know it. It's not that, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's that they do. Remember I told you a few months ago, what keeps me up at night is not believing that I know more about this than Anthony Fauci, but the understanding that I don't. So why are his arguments so easy to, easy to deconstruct? So why are they so flawed? Why are his premises so bad? Why are they such? Why are they so fallacious that me, who barely made it out of community college alive and found out at university they don't give out degrees for Super Tecmo Bowl, can with one half of my brain tied behind my back, as the great Rush Limbaugh famously once and many times said, how am I able to disintegrate America's, quote, leading infectious disease expert. How? Because he's not making arguments. He's, this is a scam. So it's either that they effed this thing from the beginning and blew our opportunity to get to herd immunity by ignoring natural immunity or discounting it erroneously, or they never intended to get to, natural, uh, to herd immunity. Neither one of those should make you feel really good and warm fuzzy inside. They're both really bad. If the best case scenario is this is the worst F up in the history of modern public health, let's contemplate what the level up is from there. You know, in Germany, where black suited cops have giant rulers out to measure the distance between people on the street. And that's when they're not doing torch lit marches at night in file footage that looks like it's from Triumph of the Will. See, I think you're seeing the pivot here because Omicron is the control group that's blowing up all of these fallacies. In real time, all of their data is dying and disintegrating. The house of cards that they have erected is collapsing because of Omicron. And so if, there are, if there's anybody within COVID stand, like say the New York Times, who realizes, you know, at some point in time here, guys, we have to face the voters again. And they were looking for an out, looking for, looking for the trap door here to not have to admit any of our arguments and come up with enough of a narrative to give them the getaway car lie. 
What you may be looking at is that pivot within some of those ranks happening as we speak. Do you have any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Can you imagine, and then maybe this is the answer for overtime about paganism, but if this lie is dying and we just saw the race lie die, one of its biggest Mm -hmm. deaths because of Smollett, all that energy has to go somewhere, Steve. I think that's why what you ever you're going to say about paganism coming up after the show mm-hmm. is going to be really important to hear because it's not just a return to normal, man. That ain't going to happen. Agreed. Agreed with that. I think, though, what we will see in very short order is who is really part of the Branch Covidian church and who's kind of standing on the outside, um, you know, kind of ha- having their own cottage industry so to speak, of ideas or what of power, whatever that may be, whatever that may be. I think we, we talked kind of a meta picture, Steve, of, of what the end of or, or defeat looks like for COVID, Stan. Mm-hmm. I think a more specific end to that, when, is, when are places like Colorado with a Democrat governor and Kansas with a Democrat governor and even Michigan with a Democrat governor, when do they slow down the testing regimen? Because mm-hmm. I think that's going to tell you they want out of this most of all not just these words they want out of this they want to stop the testing we'll talk more about nefarious with bob vanderplatz he was on set with me as well over the weekend we'll get into that and more here next we got a lot of good reaction from one of our Evergreen shows while we were gone uh, on Thursday. Actually, to both Evergreen shows, but uh, a lot of good reaction when we profiled the book. And then the end will come when I finally decided that I have been so broken after the last 21 plus months that I'm finally willing to do an in-depth discussion about eschatology on the show, even though it usually brings out the worst in people. But people really liked it. Uh, Douglas Cobb, the author of the book who joined us for that hour, said that, I mean, he has seen his book sales go nuts since uh, they uh, started talking about it on the show and since that show. So uh, if you enjoyed that conversation and you want to get yourself a copy of that book that we profiled, and then the end will come, uh, just go to the website and then the end will come dot com and then the end will come dot com. And uh, or you can just go find it and look for it on Amazon as well. And what I like about Doug's approach is he actually tries to use uh, some of the um, some of the Jewish metaphorical apocalyptic imagery um, that is mentioned in Revelation uh, and apply it to um, our own dating system. And so what I'm trying to remember, what did he tell us last week? He's pretty confident that. He thinks that he's pretty confident that Jesus will return by 2066, I think, at the latest. I think he said it was like by 2030, he thought, right? Right, yeah. And back in January when we went down to do the show from The Blaze in Dallas when Aaron went on his honeymoon, right, and we had Glenn on yeah, and he, on the Dace group, and we asked him to make a prediction, and he just blurted out his own prediction of when he thought Christ would return by. Yeah. So I'll, those are kinds of bookends for this. If, if you want to know how it started— we're never talking eschatology on the show. And now how it's going, 
Now you know what the last 21 months have is done our to theme, me. Is our theme for 2022, <laughs> the end is nigh? Yes, I might just actually, new Blaze swag for the Steve Day Show. It's just that giant Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> placard from the Stand docu- miniseries, right? And it, it has a Steve Day's logo, and you ring a bell, <laughs> and it just says, bring out your dead! All right? That's 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 ne- in fact that might be next year's slogan. No more t-shirts even even just camel's yes. hair locusts. Yes, that might be next year. I like that. Yes, it's made out of camel skin and locusts. Uh, that might be next year's theme. Bring out your dead. Might yeah. be next year's theme. All right. So Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Uh, this is way above my pay grade. Uh, I would say keep oil in your lamp. Anyhow, go ahead. All right. Thank you. Good to be here, by the way. Thank you. Good to be here with you. And, boy, that's another guy that can grow a beard, and I can't. I'm starting to feel... Starting to feel a little that and I Yeah, I've got people want me to color it though. I said, absolutely not. No, no, that's, that's not, a badge not, of not that's a badge of honor now. Exactly. That's a total dude code violation. Exactly. Okay. So you and I were both in Oklahoma City over the weekend to see the production of Nefarious that is underway as we speak. I'm just gonna open it up to you. I've not said much other than to uh thank the audience because without their prayers and the leads they gave us for crew and stuff out of uh, out of this audience Wednesday. I I don't know that you and I are watching. Like I'm not. Sh- I'm confident maybe we aren't watching a movie being made on Friday and and maybe we're doing something else down there to try to kick kickstart it and get it going again. But your thoughts overall on the production without giving too much away. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, people have asked me how are you going to bring this book to a to the movie, uh, to the big screen. Here's the here's the elevator pitch of the movie that some horror blogs, because we it, it is a horror film and it will be marketed like that. But some of the horror blogs that have written about it um, have, have this is the the elevator pitch we have given them. A notorious serial killer claims that uh, he cannot be held accountable for his crimes because uh, he was uh, infested by a demon who did these things against his will. And a psychiatrist is called into the into the death row prison in order to conduct a review on whether our serial killer is sane enough to answer for his crimes and face execution. That's is that fair? Is that good? It's very fair and it's very good. Um, I was blown away. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to find in Oklahoma City. Obviously, we had all the political stuff initially to say let's get this thing back up and filming. Uh, first of all, I thought the strikers, uh, you know, they need to get a real job because that wasn't, uh, to me, I thought you, this isn't a serious strike. You guys are in a right-to-work state, and I think you know it because you're already striking like you're defeated. Mm-hmm. And then we go in. Which and, is why most of them actually aren't from here. They had to bring them in from out of state. Oh, sure. They're, they're professional agitators. Oh, and yeah. have we seen that before? Yes. Yeah, let's just bring yeah. them in and storm the Iowa Capitol with six of them. Yes. And act like you're from Iowa. Yes. Uh, this time, let's go to Oklahoma, right to work state, and act like you really care about why you're here. But going in there and seeing the production, first of all, Steve, the set construction, I was wowed by it, that they could turn this setting into like reality. Mm-hmm. Like this is like you are there. And then the cast, um, I, I used to think, and I'm usually a pretty confident guy, except on the golf course, um, fairly confident about, I think I could do that. I think I could, I think I could run that fortune 500 company. Right. I think I could act. And then I watch these actors act 
And again, there wasn't notes, there wasn't scripts, they weren't rolling through pages like, oh, I got that line wrong, let Mm -hmm. me get it right. These guys were talking about normal everyday stuff between cuts of the film. Mm -hmm. And also they went right into character and did not miss a beat. As a matter of fact, I was to the point of, I don't know why we would shoot that again, because I think that's perfect as is, except for they probably wanted another camera shot or something like that on it. But I can tell you from the van ride there, seven hours there, seven hours back, a lot of windshield time with partners of yours investing into this movie. Everyone, everyone to team can't wait for this movie to come out because they are genuinely interested in the content and what they saw Whatever they, their optimistic meter was going into Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. it went into the red zone coming out of Oklahoma City. And I think they're like, everybody will want to see this movie or they have to see this movie. We would not be facing the challenges to making this. And, and they faced uh, the same people that, uh, if you don't know this, the folks, the same people that made Unplanned are making this movie. And they faced similar challenges with constant threats from Planned Parenthood. Uh, even to the point they ended up writing that into the script as part of the plot. <laughs> okay, but you know, and 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 they were able to at least film. Um, you know, I visited that set too when they were filming that back in 2018, and they also filmed that in Oklahoma, and it was uh, in Stillwater, and it was, I mean, top secret where they were filming that because there were constant threats of coming in and trying to disrupt the shoot and 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 shut it down. I mean, we're attacking shibboleths of the damned here that that's literally what we're doing and if you know anything about um how the spirit of the age tends to operate throughout history it it tends to not go quietly it it tends to kind of go shirking and shrieking and screaming and uh and you know you're going to pry this idol from my cold dead fingers mode and and it's it was always going to be difficult to have this production be under the radar because of who its author is happens to work on a large national platform. So it was, it was, it was never going to be as quiet as the filming of unplanned was, but the, uh, the, the quality of the, of the acting and the storytelling that, that is in this movie. I can see why um, Lord nefarious does not want this movie to be made because it's, it is going to, it is going to prompt and pose conversations in a setting and an environment where we're typically not permitted to prompt and pose those kinds of questions, which is exactly why we decided to make this movie. It's interesting because I talked to your producers of the movie and I said, um, when you name something nefarious, you shouldn't be respo- shouldn't be surprised by the devil's kickback, that you are entering the realm of spiritual warfare. And then you add to it that this movie is not pale pastels, that there's some theological disagreement like should it be in a niv or king james version or you know what it's not pale pastels this is bold colors and you're going to confront evil face to face not just in a culture but you personally and i thought it is obvious to me why nefarious satan would be kicking up his heels to say what can i do to disrupt this movie what can I do to make sure this movie never makes it to the big screen or to a streaming service or whatever else it might be? But I don't want this content out. Why? Because you are exposing his hand, his plan, his scheme. And 
And again, I thought the acting, uh, and I didn't know what to think about. I, I knew the actors a little bit and researched them a little bit. These guys are really, really good. Let's and talk not, about and not just really good, but I yeah. think they actually are embracing the character of what they've been given. Let's talk a, a little bit more about that because um, it's always easier. Anthony Hopkins could very well be like the greatest actor that ever lived. Did you see him in the last Transformers movie? I did not, but I do know don't. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I don't. don't. Okay. I mean, that movie is beyond <laughs> trash. It's, it's $250 million. It would have fed a lot of people in Bolivia. Okay, that I mean, it's 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 a dreadful, dreadful movie. And it's still Anthony Hopkins, but he is saying things and saying lines. And, you know, he doesn't need the money. Right. So you're like, did he do this because his grandkids thought it would be cool. Right. (laughs) All right. But they had to know when they were filming this, like somewhere in the back of Anthony Hopkins mind, he was like, you know, I once got nominated for an Academy Award for portraying C.S. Lewis. How the bleep did I end up here? Right. Okay. And a great act, even a great actor has difficulty uplifting a horrible script. So I I knew that the quality of acting for our film would be good because of how good the script was, right? That's like recruiting in a college program. That's the lifeblood, right? And it's usually it is more Jimmy's and Joe's than X's and O's, right? Duke is pretty good, but we'll make you better if you come to Duke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But our, I mean, what, what Sean Patrick Flannery, who, who, by the way, it was hilarious in between takes listening to him and the rest of the cast dunking on Jesse Smollett. That was funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't know we should share that. But yeah, go why, ahead, not? Go ahead. why not? Okay. Um, he also mentioned that he actually got turned on to our show uh, several months ago by, I won't name the player because I don't know if he wants me to, but a, a, former NF, a former Pro Bowl player in the NFL who is a fan of our show. And a fan of the Blaze started turned him on to our show, so I thought that was kind of cool. But um, the quality of his acting—I mean, this is an extremely well-written script, and I mean, he's elevating it. Oh, he took it to I, a whole I was, other level. I was level. captivated. I mean, I was watching, and there's no music. There's nothing to set the scene here. It's just him, him, him playing nefarious. And I—I I mean, I. I just wanted him to keep rolling. I, I wanted to see more and more. I was on the edge of my seat watching it. And so Steve said about me, he said, you know, I want to play poker with, with Vanderplots because I'm back there. They can't see me. They can't hear me. Mm-hmm. But I'm cheering it on. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. No poker you, face You at all. guys yeah. are knocking it out of the park. And Steve's just like watching intently. And then it gets done. And now, Steve, all the adjectives and superlatives come out of his mouth about how great that was. I mean, during one after one take, I when it was done... I actually stood up and applauded, mm. just like sporadically. I mean, that's that's how powerful it was. But, but I think the other thing that your audience needs to know is that, yeah, we're encountering spiritual warfare, but also understand that the producers of this movie said you are witnessing things that don't happen in filming a movie, meaning going through 11 pages of script or 13 pages of script and flawless acting. Things that would take cut after cut after cut after cut. And they're like, this doesn't just happen. So praise God, prayers are working. You know, uh, we win in the end. The movie's going to get released in the end. And I've got a high bar of expectation uh, for that movie right now. So we could definitely, it. it's a continuing battle. Um, we have secured who the uh, uh, top in his class labor lawyer in the state of Oklahoma. 
to help us. For some odd reason, we have to face a complaint from uh, an NLRB complaint from a union that we are in a state we're under no obligation to deal with them. I, I don't understand how that works. I've asked very high-ranking people. You guys can probably imagine if you listen to this show what my last few days were, what my last few days of last week were like. Um, you've worked with me in this arena, <laughs> so you know what my last few days were like. Let's go with the word persistent. Is that fair? That's a very fair we'll word. Go with, we'll go with the word persistent, and we'll just go with that for now. But I have persistently asked the Oklahoma government at the highest levels, why am I having to, I mean, this is, this is the Babylon Bee headline from over the weekend, Joe Biden nukes Florida and we'll worry about whether the courts say it's legal later. Okay. We are in a right to work state. We didn't negotiate with a union to hire these people. We hired individual people. Some were unions, some mm. were not. Those people made their own employment decision about whether to come and work for us. They then made their own employment decision about whether or not to strike. I, we never dealt with the, this union. Didn't have to. Didn't deal, they didn't deal with them on unplanned when they filmed in Oklahoma. It was just as right to work in 2018 as it is now. I mean, under, we understand that ultimately what we're dealing with here is spiritual warfare. Sure. We're just speaking on the legal political level. What is the, what is the legitimate rationale for why we have to hear and, and lawyer up for a complaint from a union that doesn't have jurisdictional authority in the state that we're, that we're actually operating in? What and, is that? And you know, Steve, when I was watching all this play out, uh, my political mind went to, so why, why are people asking what gave rise to the Donald Trump presidency? Because doggone it, this is wrong. Do something about it. You're a right to work state. Shut this thing down. You know, get rid of this deal. That's what Trump would have done. Instead of trying to nuance, like, okay, how do we play with this? How do we make sure that we don't get, how that we don't blow it up? It doesn't become, have a life of its own. It doesn't do this. You're a right to work state in a solidly red Oklahoma state where you'll only be cheered on for you know, declaring your bona fides in this area. Don't nuance this thing. Don't make these guys put up with this stuff. That's what gave rise to the Trump era because of a leadership saying, you know, I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's what we're waiting for somebody to do, I think, in the state of Oklahoma. Well, good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Good stuff from you. Congratulations, by the way. It was fun for me to see. I mean, I know all the hard work he puts in on writing the book getting this thing to script, getting this thing to, 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 to where it's at, and now watching it come alive. This has not been like a multi-month process. This has been a no. multi-year process. Yeah, it has. Yeah. But to watch this happen, and kudos to all you fans and listeners out there who make the Monday second segment your favorite segment. There's a lot of those. But also for giving rise to this guy because I think uh, there's a high, high ceiling for what's going to happen. So congratulations. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Have you a bet. Merry Christmas, all right? God bless. You bet. We'll come back. It's our final Ask Me Anything of the year, and we look forward to it. And hopefully we have some snotty questions ready to go. It's one particularly snotty one for you. Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. We'll get to that here in a moment. Right back here again with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email the show, like us on Facebook, 
Follow us on me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for us where there's no censorship on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. In fact, our our followers on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter, you guys get to ask the questions for the final Ask Me Anything of 2021 here coming up in just a moment. Uh, you can also get clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of censorship over on rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And if you are a podcast listener, thank you very much. If you've yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review uh, if you like the show and hit that subscribe follow button as well. Speaking of five-star reviews, if you've had a chance to read my new book, Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer and you enjoyed it, you thought it encouraged, inspired, and um, and equipped you in some way. Please leave us a five-star review over at amazon.com as well. And you can get your copy uh, too today. And remember, there's discussion questions. This is meant to be a study guide, both for individuals and for groups on how we can do what we believe, how we can answer the call that we issued earlier this year with the theme, The Answer Is Us. And thanks again to those of you that have already, the book's only been out for a couple of weeks, that have already put out five-star reviews. Thank you very much. We appreciate each and every one of those. Uh, also, a reminder, uh, there is still time. Now it's running short, okay? But there is still time for you to take advantage of Paint Your Life for a truly unique Christmas gift. This is what I got my mom for Christmas this year. Uh, and you want to talk about the ability to preserve memories for all time. This is the oldest picture I have of my mama and me. So I think maybe I'm two in this picture, uh, which would make her all of 17. All right. I mean, this picture itself, it's pretty warped. It's uh, it's it's more orange than Trump. OK, uh, what they did with it here. I mean, look at how good that looks. The color that's restored um, and then you don't see, you're just seeing the, the paint here. You're not seeing the, the framing and everything else. The whole presentation, I mean, it just blew my mom away and, and broke her down when it arrived. Because, of course, I had it sent early because, you know, last Christmas, everybody got their gifts like by Valentine's Day. So I'm like, shoot, man, I better send this thing now. What do you think happened? It showed up three days later, like two weeks, you know, three weeks before Christmas. Anyway, though, but does she really appreciated it? So if you want to do this, all right. You can get all this done in a few weeks, and the the timing is running out to take advantage of this uh, in time for the holidays. So get 20% off right now when you text the word Steve, my first name, to 64,000. Text the word Steve to 64,000, and again, it's the word or the name, my name, Steve, to 64,000 for 20% off and even if you can't get it done before Christmas and you're thinking of um, you know what this would be an excellent birthday gift Mother's Day gift Father's Day gift anniversary gift what have you uh, and you want to take advantage of that discount right now and then you know that you're good to go and it's done 20% off text the word Steve to 64,000 all right let's get to it it's for the final Monday town hall of 2021 because this is our last week of the year and we are turning it over to the censorship-free platforms at MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Uh, each of those platforms, we solicited questions on any topic. You can ask me anything. Todd, I've not seen any of these questions. You have selected from each of these platforms the questions that we will answer. Uh, and Aaron, I believe now the floor is yours to ask said questions. We will begin with Cindy Brown on MeWe. What do you think and or why is Trump endorsing people that are against his agenda? For example, Purdue in Georgia. <laughs> 
so I don't I don't know what happened with Vernon Jones's campaign in Georgia. I'm not on the ground there, so I I don't know if he just proved to not be an effective candidate. Um, and and I, I don't I don't know what the particulars are. Um, David Perdue obviously is somebody Trump's base already couldn't stand and didn't rally behind in, in, back in January during the um, the special election that was held uh, to retain control of the Senate. Can we just stop asking why questions about Donald Trump? Well, the answer is yes. Because I, I don't think people... I, I still think there's a group of people that probably don't want to hear what the most likely... What the most likely right answer is. But what the heck? It's Christmas. It's Christmas, <laughs> and I didn't get this far by kissing people's rear ends. Here's some coal. Okay. Trump's number one agenda is, is Donald Trump. Bing. Now, the, the good news for people like us is that it just so happens that what he usually prioritizes aligns with a lot of our interest in any given, in, in a lot of given situations. Okay. Something you said like four years ago, by yes. the way, so it's not a new thought. Yes, no. that this is a largely transactional process. It doesn't mean, I, I, I think he is void of like any core beliefs at all. Um, I did, you know, several years ago, once tell him I thought he was the most likable narcissist I ever met, and he thought that was funny. Um, but I, I do think he has a generally high regard and love for America. I, I think, like a lot of Americans, he cannot necessarily quantify where and the origins of the. Like, I don't know that he could give me a you know a really solid tweet on the Mayflower Compact, for example. Okay, I I, I think like, and I think that's probably though why he relates to a lot of Americans who just kind of instinctively know what America is supposed to be and stand for, but maybe they just lack the knowledge of where those virtues and values came from and then who is primarily responsible and why for removing them, right? But they instinctively know, hey, we're supposed to do better than this. We don't like leave people behind in Afghanistan. We don't, um, you know, we don't just sell people out on the debt ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so- because I think that that's where a lot of his core what his core beliefs beyond his own brand exist, that his attempt to further his brand often aligns with our own brand. And when we heard when we heard in the past from other politicians that they were willing to do things for us, it was always in, with the with the promise though that we had to water down what we believed. To get those to get a seat at the table with them, and so we would do that, and then we would get our seat at the table, and then what they deliver. No, Trump came to us and offered the opposite paradigm, which is, I'll do what you want me to do if you can show me that it's, it's good and it will work and it aligns with my interests. Which is why at times we've been able we he, we were able to get him to do things that we couldn't get Republicans to do for thirty years, and we were like, and he just did it like in ten minutes. And that's also the why there were a few times that you were like, this one should be pretty simple. Why aren't we doing it? Okay. This, hence, this is the, this is the double-edged sword of transactionalism. Although transactionalism is a far better deal 
than anything we had gotten from the Republican Party since January of 1989, or at least the contract with America. Fair? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think it signifies how completely soulless David Perdue is. David Perdue wants a Senate seat so bad that he is willing to be uh, a, a Trump crony. And you know what, man? If I'm sorry, a, a, it's a gubernatorial seat. My mistake. Uh, if 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 David Perdue ends up, you know, essentially marinating in the MAGA agenda, just so he can get and stay elected and earn, and curry the good favor of Donald Trump. I mean, I would prefer we did stuff altruistically. I think all of us here would, right? Mm-hmm. But we also, all of us here, recognize that we live in a fallen world. And so if you don't want to do the right thing altruistically, you want to do those things for selfish reasons, I guess that's, you know what? It's better than the, all. it's 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 better than tyranny, right? And Hillary. And I, was, I was actually going to say that as a joke and chose not to, but yes. <laughs> but this is the reality of, this is this is how... Donald Trump has endorsed Elise Stefanik, who's maybe the most liberal Republican serving in a federal office. I mean, she's even bad on the gender crap, but then turns around and endorses that um, female lieutenant governor in Idaho that Daniel Horowitz, our Daniel Horowitz, has, you know, a complete and, and total political crush on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the woman who, whenever the rhino governor goes out of state and she becomes the acting governor, tries to actually undo all of his COVID stand stuff, okay? How do you endorse both of those people simultaneously? You do so because transactionally, for different reasons, you believe they fit your agenda. So Elise Stefanik is willing to do things for Donald Trump in order to get Donald Trump's favor. The lieutenant governor in Idaho is... is is willing to do things for Donald Trump because she agrees with the pro-America agenda. Their motivations are totally different, right? Who's the who's the conduit there? What's the common denominator? Is Donald Trump. And so this is both the frustration and benefit of Donald Trump is that he he's likely made it that that lieutenant governor in Idaho will be the next governor of that state. And she has every bit of potential to be a female Ron DeSantis, right? And then you put up with as the downside of that, pro-abort, pro-tranny, at least Stefanik, who doesn't know what a girl is, you know, as what the number two or number three ranking Republican in the Republican caucus, right? That's just the world we live in. This is my greatest fear about Trump again. He's not actually Trump again, but relitigating all of this oh obviousness like it was yes. 2016 and the last how many years haven't happened. I, I'll a fork in my eye you instead know of that, please. I would, I would, I would tend to agree, but right now, I, I'm, I'm more hoping that we are provided the opportunity to hate that <laughs> in 2024. I hear you. That 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 this thing stays together for another couple of years no, I hear you. that we are provided the benefit of complaining about yeah. that stuff all over again. I'm going to call that a W if we, if we can get there. Yeah. It's a good perspective. Chris Peters asks on Parlor, how long did it take the makeup artist to make Sean Patrick Flannery look like Fauci? <laughs> good question. Um he does not look at all like Anthony Fauci. In fact, he doesn't really look at all like Sean Patrick Flannery. Um, you know what he looks like? He looks like a serial killer from Oklahoma. That's what he looks like. They did a phenomenal job. He looks like a serial killer from Oklahoma. So there you go. 
Joshua Hurley on Gab asks, what does the parallel economy need to focus on first to put the biggest hurt on the left? The um, self-sustainment. Self-sustainment. So that begins with basic necessities. I would not focus so much on hurting the left because I don't, I don't even think it's necessarily right and left right now. I don't. I, I, I do. I think you're seeing, I mean, and this is, this has been one of the themes of this year we have repeatedly talked about. There is, there is an ongoing, there is an emerging strain of people. Guys, Sarah Silverman is out there on her podcast over the weekend having going to war against her own audience who thinks the only reason she told Joy Reid to stop telling lies is because she's black and and Sarah Silverman is now a racist. There Pop is, some corn. Yes, there is there has been throughout the course of this year a a rising tide of of common sense reality some form of Ayn Randian objectivism that has emerged within the American left, both in its high-minded philosophical circles and with people like Martin Kulldorff, the socialist at Harvard, who has become one of the leading Fauci critics and COVID stand skeptics in America, uh, or Andrew Sullivan, who really is, as I've called him before and coined it before, the, the Benjamin Franklin of the American gay rights movement. He's really the first gay intellectual, homosexual intellectual to be admitted into the mainstream of America. Maybe there, maybe there, Bill Buckley might be a better mm. analogy, okay? Mm-hmm. That he is the, 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 the rainbow jihad Bill Buckley. And now his own progeny are now turning on him to just everyday commentators and entertainers, you know, like um, uh, Bill Maher, two people that were largely apolitical bro dudes, Joe Rogan, two people that, um, prior to COVID were considered symbols um, and, and fundamental heroes of the spirit of the age, like Elon Musk, who has now just become like a, a, a COVID uh, Biden administration Twitter troll, right? Okay. What happened with all of these people? Uh, if you look at the state of our movement, it's not that we just suddenly started making really good arguments and converted some folks to being red-pilled. Fair? That didn't happen. Reality happened. Reality happened. And they were like... And there's a black market for that these days. Yes, yes. So I, I think that the whole right-left thing is not as prevalent as far as the paradigm is concerned as it used to be. I really think we're now dealing with authoritarianism and liberty authoritarianism and freedom. I, I really think that's the, that's the paradigm that we're up against now. Now, because leftists do tend to be statists in, in how they see um, the mechanisms for what ills the world to be, to be solved or confronted, they tend to be far more authoritarian in general than, than righties do. Although, have we had a history in the past of nationalistic authoritarianism? Sure. Sure we have. 
okay, from the right. That's happened throughout in, in throughout human history as well. But while 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 all COVID authoritarians, well, I can't say all because you still got like people like Mike DeWine and others. While most COVID authoritarians tend to be left, not all lefts, not all lefties are COVID authoritarians. Fair. And so I, I really think that we've got to more specifically articulate that. And that's why I also think the first goal of creating a parallel economy is your own self-sustainment. Do we have our own doctors? Can we create our own, our own leisure entertainment, like what we're trying to do with Nefarious right now? We already have our own news and information ecosystem, right? But... What is it that that's the fundamental of a that are the fundamentals of society? I mean, go back and go back and tell your 2010 self that Adam Carolla and other named comedians are going to do a comedy special with Ben Shapiro's network. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Mm -hmm. That this really is, Dave Chappelle is another one. This really is authoritarianism versus freedom and liberty. So I would, I would redefine the, the reason for the need of an art of an alternative, um, an, an alternative economy to be, or parallel economy to use your phrase in the first place. But then I would, I would make the first mission of a parallel economy, my own self-sustainment. That's why we promote things like, I don't even know if it's on my sheet here today. I don't think it is. For live reads? No, it's not. But that, like, a Patriot Mobile. Do I have to give my money to T-Mobile? <clears throat> do I have to give my money to U.S. Cellular? Do I have to do that, right? So I would first start, before you, I would, to me, you set up a parallel economy not to ding your opponents, but to, but to insulate yourself from them. That's, to me, why you would do that. Moving on, Captain Obvious on Gab says, why do you post and interact far more on Twitter and Getter than Gab when both those platforms censor speech and tirelessly promote degeneracy? Simply because the overwhelming percentage of my audience gets their information and interaction with and from me on those two platforms. Period. And I'm not... Uh, I'm I'm not Mark Levin who could just say I'm not going to post on Twitter anymore and move an entire audience of people over to to Facebook. I'm sorry to Parler with him. I I don't have I don't have the ability to do that. I don't. Um, I'm kind of you know we're maybe more of an upper middle class show than we started the year given the success of Fauci and Bargain. But you know I've got a new book out. I mean Mark Levin puts anything out with his name on it. He's going to sell a half a million copies minimum. Minimum. I'm nowhere near that kind of stratosphere. Okay. So, um, I mean, as it's, as it's trending right now, this book won't come close to doing the success of Fauci and Bargain. That means it won't, that's not, doesn't mean it won't be successful, but it just goes to show how much lightning in a bottle Fauci and Bargain was for a show of our size. To get to the, to be the number one selling book in America requires a, you know, a, a, a very difficult to contrive an, an organic level of viral event and moment for that to happen. Um, if your name's Mark Levin, you can create those all the time because of the size of your network and audience. <clears throat> We're not at that status yet. So believe me, brother, if I had that kind of pull, 
I would have already pulled my stuff from these places already and, 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 and tried to help a platform like Gab explode. I've been on Gab for what, six, seven, eight months. I think I have 14,000 followers over there. You know, so what's that like, like 10% of the following I have on Twitter close to it. Cause that's about 130,000. That's about what we have on Facebook. That's why. Now, if, if I was Mark Levin, if we had that kind of a show, then I would have quit those platforms already and I'd be sitting at 150,000 followers on Gab because of the people I have the ability to reach and move to, to, to something like that. You know what I'm saying? But there's a reason why I've got to go on Charlie Kirk's podcast later today, which I don't mind doing because I love us because he makes me think, or Ali Stuckey's podcast or Glenn Beck's show. There's a reason I'm going on their shows when I have a new book coming out and they're not coming on mine. You know what I'm saying? So do the math. This next one is from Mac Thompson on Gab. Also, Steve, in your opinion, all three of you, how can we unite the different Christian denominations in order to ignite a great spiritual awakening, reawakening, before America becomes fully immersed in the spreading darkness of the end of ages? I don't think we have to do that, actually. You got it backwards, actually. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I, I tweeted something out from a theologian I respect I saw yesterday that we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. Meaning that, I mean, this is a, this is a restating of the premise that Jesus asserts. That it's, that, you know, you can, it's, it's what's on the inside of the cup. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That this is, this is done inside out. It's, it's revival and then you have the kind of unity that you desire. Revival is what creates that unity. Unity, I don't believe, creates creates that creates a revival. Because if we had the if we had the ability, and 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 you know, there are some chasms that cannot be crossed. I mean, I believe. Someone says, someone says, I don't believe in the Trinity. Someone says, I do. That's pretty fundamental. Jesus is God. No, he's just the son of God. You know what I'm saying? Those are those are things that are arguments that have gone on. Well, if, the story of St. Nicholas we shared last week. I mean, that was the fourth century. They had that argument almost, you know, 2,000 years ago. So uh, to me, unity comes via revival, not revival from unity. I guess I'll leave my answer at that. Todd, do you have anything to well, add? Well, as the Catholic, I think it's obviously more important, uh, just by definition, if we take our definition seriously, that we are one. Our ancient creed commands all of us to be one. Now, if we are one, it does not mean uh, that all problems go away and that one cannot fall into uh, problems. That's clear. History clearly shows us that that is not true. But I also think within Steve's, and I'm, I'm talking in very broad strokes here, but within uh, Steve's book, A Nefarious Plot, an, an argument of, uh, a logical extension of the arguments of Nefarious would be that the fact that we aren't one makes this much easier to pick off and to keep from mounting a common defense. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack 
in that one question, which is like, there's no way we can do justice in the time we had. But I do think it's a good question. It, it, it's not, and I'm not saying I don't think that we don't contribute at all to revival. <clears throat> that I, I just don't think that we are the determiners of it. I think that it operates, that, that, that revival is sent from above, not from within us. Um, the, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Did they then go and act upon receiving it, <clears throat> pardon me, in order to spark a revival called Pentecost? Yes. But the act, the, the initiation, who, who initiated that? God did. Did they then have to respond to that initiation? And then their, their faithful response to God's sovereign initiation is what sparked the revival of the first of the first Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. So along those lines, um, are there things we can do to move the heart of God to move to 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 initiate to to urge him and show him we are desperate for him to initiate his sovereign will? I would argue that. What, I've, what I observe in the scriptures and in history is there is a formula for that. doesn't mean it will work, okay? But because, you know, we don't, God's not a vending machine. We're not trying to get a specific outcome from him. We're trying to serve him, okay? But when, when, when our hearts align with his, are we more likely to get the outcome that we want? Yes. Yeah. So how do we align our hearts with his? Repentance plus reformation I believe equals better chances for revival. And when I say by reformation, I don't mean the capital R historic event. I mean a similar to when one holy catholic church is a reference to a to a small c, not necessarily what we now know today as the diocese, okay? So when I mean re- repentance plus reformation, I mean a small r as in um as in our willingness to worship God as he deserves, not as we are willing. To worship God as he deserves, as Abel did, not as we are willing, as Cain did. Like that. Yep, that's excellent. Okay. Moving on, Grammy of Witch says, and this comes from Getter, in order to be <clears throat> compliant to corporations, how can one be less white Without being accused of cultural appropriation. <laughs> Who was that? Grammy of which? Oh, and that's Did asked I, and answered, Your Honor. That's real. But that's y- yes. Like, it's it's perfect because you're asking this at the end of a segment, and yes. we don't have that much time. Yes. But if you chose, you could spend the entire next segment talking about this because this is the alpha and the omega yes. of what we're dealing with. Maybe this is what you're going to talk about with paganism coming up in the overtime. It, it, it basically comes down to it. It's don't either either don't 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 believe differently than they want you to, or die, or be shunned. Those are your three options. Let me see. Was there another religious movement? In history, can't think of one that tore through previous Christian enclaves and settlements and told them, "Convert, die, or pay, and to be shunned." Can you guys? Can't think of one. Yeah. So we'll talk about rough grains instead because I can't. 
I can't think of one either. Uh, so let's talk about Rough Greens. If you're a pet owner, then you know what Rough Greens is. It's that supplement powder you put into your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you've likely restored the vitamins, minerals, nutrients your pet needs to the food that was stripped of all those things before it ever left the factory. They do the same thing with the people food, too. That's why we take so many supplements today. But now there's one for your pet. But you might be wondering, how will I know if it works or even if my pet likes it? Well, how about we give you that first two-week, 14-day jumpstart bag to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. We will give you that first jumpstart bag for free. All you do is pay for the shipping just so we know you're committed because we want you to try it. We think it'll help your, your it'll help your puppy, all right? So go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F is the website. The first bag on us, you pay for the shipping when you go to roughgreens.com or you can give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. And again, that's R-U-F-F. We'll come back. More buy, sell, or hold here. Wrong day. More ask me anything. Boy, you can tell I'm waiting for Christmas break. More ask me anything when we come back. So the battle against finishing off... We hope Joe Biden's attempt at a vaccine mandate, otherwise known as the worst incursion upon Americans' individual bodily autonomy uh, in 150 years, the battle to finish off what is left of that continues. And if you've learned anything with COVID, it is a hydra. So you don't start chop, don't stop chopping until all the heads are severed. Okay. So this thing just lost again in the courts just a couple of days ago. What is it like? Oh, for six or something now. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's, it's dying, but it is not dead yet. So if you want to help to finish it off, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are doing exactly that. They are on the front lines in the battle against Biden's unethical, immoral, wicked, evil, dishonest attempt at a vaccine mandate, which, of course, even isn't even for an actual vaccine because it's not one. All right, if you are looking particularly here late in the year uh, to make a nonprofit donation tax deductible for a great cause, that's how they roll at Alliance Defending Freedom. They represent all their clients pro bono, which means they get by on donations. If you want to join me in making a tax deductible donation to ADF, as I did, go to adflegal.org slash Steve. Again, adflegal.org slash Steve. Once more, adflegal.org slash Steve. Let's get back to our final Ask Me Anything of 2021. Aaron. We'll go next to Matthew Hawkins on MeWe, who says, please tell me why I shouldn't be scared of the Supreme Court allowing the Texas abortion law to stand. I'm all for protecting every baby, but at what cost? I'm starting to believe the left will use this strategy to dismantle the entire Constitution brick by brick. See California Newsom's strategy this weekend to Take on the Second Amendment using the same strategy. Uh, who was that that asked that? Uh, this is from Matthew Hawkins. Okay, Matthew, and and anybody else that might be thinking along these along these lines, I would I would remove from my thought process the fear of doing anything because it will set a precedent that the left will use against us later on. I used to be um, I, I used to be an advocate of those kinds of arguments. We used to say a lot around here, ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun, right? Yeah. Okay. We don't say that very much any longer. 
Have you guys noticed? Here's why. The hour's late. Yeah, and, and the and the opposition is unrestrained. When there is even even a diminished capacity, but some semblance of a social compact, then you should absolutely be concerned about things like that. Because there's a there's a there's a constant tension, a seesaw that goes back and forth. If this is your fulcrum here, and the center holds, okay, then this thing kind of goes back and forth into this area right here. And if you push it too far one way or the other, then the center cannot hold, and you risk the sorts of the sort of upheaval and unprecedented actions that that it's Matthew, right? That that Matthew is concerned about, right? Um. That event's already occurred. Uh, it, to you, it'll be my right, but to me, it's my left. All right. We did this for a while. And then here on the left side, I mean, it's, dude, they just, they just jumped off. They let go of the rope, guys. They, they, you, they jumped off the seesaw. We're not going back and forth. They just let go of the rope altogether. As you said before, Sarah Silverman, a loyal baby killer for how long now is suddenly a KKK right. member for disagreeing with Joy Reid. Correct. Yeah. So at this point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that part of my calculation at all. The social compact in America is done. It is dead. That doesn't mean, by the way, that, um, you know, we burn villages to save it. We don't, I don't, we don't do that. At least if you're, if you're a believer with a biblical worldview, you don't get to do that. Okay. So we also don't stay inside while it all burns either. We don't do that either. So, so it's not as if we're without concerns on, on moral, tactical deployment. I'm just saying that one is no longer a concern. That, that one's off the table here. That, that, the, the, there, there is no social compact to preserve. There isn't. We're, we're, we're at, on a fundamental level, we're determining whether our way of life will go on. So the, the, the time of accommodation to preserve a social compact, we're past that now. So the argument really comes down to how far can we go to preserve our own way of life, which is a different question than the one you asked. But I don't think the, the calculation that you're worried about, which for many years on my show, I was concerned about. And that was part of my initial concern of Donald, about Donald Trump, frankly is that we, would, we were moving this thing rhetorically way over here, but to get nothing out of it. That he was just doing it to, for effect because it got him votes. But like the juice wouldn't be worth the squeeze. We would, we would disrupt the social compact unnecess- to the point that the stuff then we, we talked about doing, we would just never do. And then what was the point of any of this, right? And... My concern about that occurring turned out to be well-founded. It just happened on the other side. They used the election of Donald Trump to decide that they now, that was the, mm-hmm. it was now okay for them to do that. So the social compact there is gone, gone, and, and I'm sorry. This is why I'm so concerned about the, the, this immediate future moment right now and taking advantage of it because I know what it means when that occurs. But I also can't ignore the truth that I believe that that concern is no longer relevant, that the social compact has been removed and that one side is determined that whenever it gets power, it is perfectly within its rights, no matter what, to use that power, no matter how much it violates, no matter how much it violates the law, precedent, decorum. I mean, look at my own situation. My movie production is going to end up in an NLRB's hearing 
because of a complaint from a union in a right-to-work state that doesn't even have jurisdiction to levy such a complaint. It's the Babylon Bee headline from over the weekend. Biden nukes Florida. We'll wait to see if the courts determine it's legal later. That's not even parody. That's essentially what the vaccine mandate is. They had to know they were going to lose this, this in court, at least somewhere. And they probably didn't think they were going to go 0 for 6, okay? But they knew going in that there were going to be, there are plenty of jurisdictions, there, there are several circuit courts favorable to us. Not as many as we need there to be, but is there more than one? Yes. They had to know that we were pretty smart and would, and would put this in a circuit where we were likely to win and they were going to lose. They had to know that that was likely to happen once. Stop and think about the fact it didn't restrain them at all. Eh, whatever. Just do it for as long as we can get away with it. Remember, they originally tried to come out and tell people to disobey the, the court order against it. Remember that. The administration originally said that. So, I know you don't mean to do that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe it this way to, to drive the, the point home one final time. This is a David French kind of argument. Let's hold ourselves to this pattern of and tradition of decorum and rules of engagement. While we're against apocalypto and they're out there doing human sacrifice, cannibalism, and slitting throats. Okay? That ain't going to work. That dog ain't going to hunt. It's going to hunt you. Next question. We actually addressed this in the best way we could think of at the end of Fauci and Bargain. Right. Where the, the point you're making is what we talked about with Elie Wiesel and Knight. I mean, the, the Jews kept thinking decorum's going to kick in. Common sense, it's going to yes. kick in. Yep. It, no, that's not how this they're, works. They're guys in Germany, they're, they've got black-robed police. Again. Again, doing torchlight marches. Okay? Decorum common sense is not eventually going to kick in it's just not and trust me i'm not comfortable with that all right i did not get into this line of work to do this level of hand-to-hand i did not anticipate this level of hand-to-hand combat i i got into this line of work to have to win the argument to win the arguments yes here and, we are. And, but here we are. And I, I, I cannot ignore the truth that is right in front of my face either. Yeah. This is from Rose Fletcher on MeWe. If you could travel back in time to speak to Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson, would you A, warn them about the future direction the country goes? B, would you ask them to clarify the role of government should be and to clarify the role of the citizenry? Or C, add anything else to the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, and or Bill of Rights? Excellent question. I would not add anything to the Declaration of Independence. I, I think I think it is the single greatest civic document ever composed. The closest thing probably in a political arena to inspired. Um, so I wouldn't change a word of it. I would warn them, though. I would warn them, I would, I, would, I would go to them and say, hey, you guys have looked through the scriptures, through history, through philosophy, and it's, it's very clear that you, you are students of the game and that you are attempting to anticipate future objections. There's one more I think you need to anticipate what I like to call the Pharaoh who knows not Joseph rule. 
And I would make it even more patently clear what courts can and cannot do. I would make it even more patently clear what individual states are permitted to do. Like literally, literally say, and by all means, form militias. Form actual militias to push back on the federal government if necessary. I mean, that level of stuff. Anticipate the Pharaoh who knows, not Joseph. What will they try to do? What will they try to impose? If we had an entire generation that didn't use the education system that was your generation's brainchild but in order to pass on our traditions, but instead to um, erase and besmirch and smear them, and then that generation was able to then ascend into the power in a culture, what would the Pharaoh who knows not Joseph attempt to do? And, and don't, don't preemptively give government the power to do something about that, because that also sows the seeds of a, a very authoritarianism when you hand that power to the government, right? Instead, use that, anticip- instead, deploy that anticipation via lesser jurisdictions, that when we when we say a well-regarded militia, what we what we we want to make it very clear, we also we all we all we also mean that a state can form its own separate defense force to defend its borders if the federal government either won't or is threatening them. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To 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 anticipate that a vacuous vain generation would would one day emerge and believe that that it was the people we were waiting for and it was up to them to undo to be a counter culture shall we say oh and undo everything that was previously agreed upon and not like the civil rights movement for the purposes of expanding that covenant and those promises to people that were wrongly denied access to Bringing them. Bringing it to fullest reality. Yeah, yes, yes, but to unravel it all together. Yes. That's, that would be my advice. Let me do one more, then we'll close it out. All right, I got one more here, and that's realestateagentsitrust.com. If you want to get involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure you do so with an agent that you can trust. And where would you find them? Well, the name says it all at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com, just about anywhere in America that you want to move to or from. We can find you an agent that will come in, take charge of your situation while remembering that you are the ultimate one in charge. And also with a proven track record of success, not just talking a good game, but they can actually walk the walk. All right, so we can help you. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, make sure you've got one of these at realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's go to Bob Cotton, finally. Why does every politician, or seems like every time a politician or media person discusses the vaccine, they have to preface it with, I'm not anti-vax. What is so wrong with someone being anti-vax if they want to be? There's also something, if I may interject my, myself, I'm I'm pro-vaccine but anti-mandate. Have you ever have you ever heard somebody say I'm anti-vax but pro-mandate? Yes, yes. It's it is. Uh, it's it's. Well, one they might sincerely just believe that. Okay, they might sincerely believe that. Two, um, it's it's a defense mechanism. Don't don't lump me in with those people. 
I'm not like them. I have found some nuanced third way uh, in order to make the argument. That's kind of like the question I answered a few minutes ago. They're out there still believing that this fulcrum, this social compact is still sitting here. Now, the center's gone. The center has not, it doesn't, it's not even trying to hold now, right? The tents imploded. There's too many stakes were taken out of the ground. But they're still pretending that it's 1999 or 2009 or 2013. And then the other is, and this is a more, um, this is a recent and more emerging reason. Fear of social media censorship. And that goes back to another question I was asked about, why don't I just put everybody on Gab? I've been on Gab for like seven months. I got 14,000 measly followers. 10% of what I have on Facebook and Twitter. Because I don't have the power to have an audience migrate to a platform like the big names do. If I did, if I did, would we have done that? Yeah. Yeah. You need to try. I'm already costing myself views by not even, I don't even mention YouTube really anymore. Evan, how long? Okay. That's the, that's like the largest social media platform in the world right now, I believe is YouTube, isn't it? Yep. So it's not like I'm not, believe me, if I, if I had the ability to migrate all kinds of people off these platforms to yours, I would, but I don't. So I've got to still pull a Sam Kinison here and move where the food is. And I'm not alone. Most of our industry is is in the same, you know, tax bracket in, within it that I'm in or below. They're not in the Mark Levin, um, Glenn Beck, um, uh, you know, um, Ben Shapiro tax bracket. There's only Dan Bongino. There's only a few people there. That's why Dan's able to go make his own platform because he's in that tax bracket. I'm not. So, and most of this industry isn't either. And therefore, they're deathly afraid of being demonetized because this is how they earn their living. This is why they've adopted the, the other side's language on gender. So they adopt the other side's language on gender while condemning the ideology behind it. But then they turn around and speak that ideology as if it is the new speak, right? Yep. This is why. This is the new emerging fear is the fear of social media banishment and, and demonetization. And so they, they bend the knee. That'll do it for today's show. We're going to record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, great questions, by the way. Thank you for all of them. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.